0: What causes us to change? Sometimes a piece of music causes us to change. Sometimes the way the light falls on a particular day, someone says something, it opens a doorway for us. We find it happening without knowing why. Very often we try and reason existence. We try and calculate it to discover it, and while we can certainly discuss portions of existence, and we can discover layers of reality, yet we find ourselves straying very far from existence itself, in its absolute form. We're out playing in the world of self-discovery. We're looking at different pictures in the gallery. Very rarely do we look in the mirror of the self. In the practice of mysticism, there are four stages. The first stage is gaining power. The second stage is avoiding the loss of power. The third stage is storing power. And the fourth stage is giving power. There is a type of mysticism, a lower occultism, where there is also stealing power and using power for destructive ends. We really don't need to consider that unless, of course, someone is doing that to us. So we should give it enough consideration so that we're not naive. But we don't really have to focus on it too much because it's not something that pertains to us. It's necessary first to gain power. We gain power so that we can walk through that doorway that leads to enlightenment. There are countless planes of existence, stages, where life is presenting itself in different ways. One description of the world, one way of seeing it, is not necessarily better than another. What's important, rather, is to become conscious and not to be fixed in any one description of reality reality but to move fluidly through all of them in order to do that it takes a great deal of power to reach enlightenment to become conscious to become what you really are takes a terrific amount of power So. If the house is very cold, our first step is to get the heat going, to get the furnace going. Then once we've done that, it's much easier to see where we're losing power and also we'll stay warm while we work on closing the leaks. Then once we've reached a point where things are warm enough and we've sealed the biggest leaks, then we can increase and refine the power. Perhaps we can store fuel for another time we can eliminate the smaller leaks. And maybe if we have enough power, then eventually we can share it with someone else and help them to be liberated. So These are the stages of mysticism. The first thing that you need to do is to increase your personal power. A decision is made on a very deep level of being. We could say that power or life chooses you We don't know why. All things cannot be explained. To try and explain everything is to waste and lose power. Certain things are better as mysteries. Mysteries not meaning that they're unknowable, but simply that they can't be explained. They have to be intuited and felt and grasped in what we call the supraconscious. you have to make a list of the things that cause you to gain power. And to do this accurately, you need to take a piece of paper out when you're home sometime and write down all of the things in your life that have ever caused you to change in an affirmative way. For example, there may be particular places that you've gone to which are for you places of power and these environments cause you to increase power to change. There may be certain experiences, uh, maybe helping others, maybe reading, uh, writing, uh, a hobby, a career, an attitude. You have to trace back all of the moments in your life when you have gone through a major transit or change and recall the things that worked. And in many cases it's necessary to do those things again. We have a lot of friends who help us, but in the course of life sometimes we forget our friends. So we remember and we bring them back. Exercise a type of diet, a type of food, music. There are literally dozens and dozens of things that increase our power. Obviously, meditation, being around powerful people, meaning people who radiate a higher octave of light. Then we need to assess and make a list of the opposite of those things in our life that have caused us to lose power. Again, people. People whom we find that when we're around we lose power. No blame is necessary, it just happens. People whom when we entangle our lives with them, or types of persons, that cause us to lose power. Maybe for someone else it doesn't happen that way, but for us it does. Habits that cause us to lose power. Places, attitudes, ideas. But try, as you create this list, to be as physical in your perceptions as possible. Very often the things that cause us to lose and gain power are not necessarily all that profound. They're rather simple. And it's good to make a list. Because you bring these things then into your conscious field of attention, and whenever you bring anything into your conscious field of attention, you focus on it and you begin to work with it. Meditating is certainly the strongest, most powerful, most effective means of gaining power, stopping thought, watching the world dissolve as we've come to know it. What we call life is a description of existence. It's a way of seeing that has been fabricated by others and presented to us as the truth. But what we see is far from the truth. It's a type of truth. It's a body of perception. From the moment of our birth to the moment of our death, we're handed a description of reality in this world, on this earth. However, the description that we've been given is not necessarily pleasant. It was devised by persons who are not happy and who don't see. Seeing is the ability to look through the fabric of existence and perceive eternity. Descriptions of reality are useful in that they enable us to go from one point to another, There are other descriptions of reality other than the one that you have been presented with. In the process of this study, I present you with a variety of different descriptions. We call them different dreams. None of them are absolute. They're maps that you follow. The most important thing is not to get stuck in any of them, yet you will find that some lead you to happiness and fulfillment whereas others lead you to pain and misery. The description of the world that you've been given by societies, families, and so on, leads to unhappiness. It leads to hate and violence and fear and anxiety. The description of the world that we deal with in mysticism is very different. We see that everything in life is an opportunity, a challenge, there are no dull moments or dull situations. Whether you're at work, having lunch with someone, by yourself, in the desert, driving, every moment is filled with countless realities, which, if you have enough power, you can see into and use to go forward, to learn, to grow, and to become all that you're capable of being. So it's necessary then to leave the description of reality that you now have behind and to enter into another one one that's much cleaner much more complete and much more open-ended. In your version of the world a man is one thing and a woman is another. Day and night are different. There is love and hate and good and bad. In my description of the world these things don't exist. These are ways of seeing that you use to ultimately entangle yourself in very painful emotions. And your life lacks light, it lacks power, it lacks total being, a prescient awareness of all that is. So, I present to you another way of being, a way that is not easy, However, in my estimation, it's much easier than the description of the world that you've been given, which leads you to pain and frustration and incompleteness. I've talked a great deal about gaining power and losing power, but one subject I haven't dealt with is how to store power, and that's what I'd like to talk to you a little bit about. Gaining power, as I said, you can make a list and see the things that cause you to gain power. And if you do them, your power will increase. Go back over the moments in your life where your power has increased. And of course, hopefully, you're learning new skills that cause you to increase power. Losing power, you've experienced that. So again, make a list and go over these things. And you'll find that if you avoid them, you won't lose power. Observe yourself in situations when you're with people observe certain attitudes and thoughts and see if they cause you to lose power and what attitudes and thoughts cause you to gain power. But to store power is a different matter. To store power, you must use specific occult methods. When I say store power, what I mean is that you're going to take awareness and consciousness and go into another plane of reality with it and leave it there and draw on it. And there are many, many ways to do this. Tonight I'd like to allude to a few of them. One of the easiest ways to store power is in a physical location. You won't exactly be leaving power in a physical location but let's say in a plane of reality that corresponds to that physical location. So, for example, when you go to a place of power, a place that you're drawn to, outdoors someplace, let's say, perhaps a certain beach, a certain hilltop, a park, a mountain, wherever it may be, a shopping mall, something draws you there, and when you're there, a certain chemistry takes place within you, you move into another level of attention at that time if you observe the place very very intensely not just physically but inwardly if you see the place as it really is and if you move into a higher level of attention there the words that you speak there the thoughts that you think there the emotions that you feel there will engender a power to that place. And no matter where you are, you can draw on that place as an ally, as a helper. When you go to a place of power with someone who is a teacher, someone who has a great deal of power, it's very easy to do this because they will lift you into another level of attention while you're there. And it's easier for you to leave power there. Or you might say to draw power from that place. There are different ways of talking about something that's a little bit hard to pin down in words. There are objects that afford you power. For many people, plants are very good. Plants have a power all their own and if you make friends with plants, they have a certain strand of luminosity that in times of difficulty or transition you can draw from. Every living thing has a certain strand of luminosity and everything that we see in the physical world is a result of that strand of luminosity. When you know how to, you can go into the inner worlds and touch those strands of luminosity and connect them with your being. Right now, you are a bundle of of fibers, luminous fibers. And your luminous fibers in your occult body are connected to other people, to places, and so on. These are the so-called lines of the world that exist everywhere. They're the lines of power in the occult world, that hold this reality into place. And we move along those lines, whether we're conscious of it or not. When you can see, when you reach the point where you can look beyond the physical, you will see these lines. They're actual. And you can move through them. Everyone does. But you will find that you have connected yourself in the process of living to certain elements, people, and experiences that drain your power, and that you can also connect yourself with things that will help you. In other times, if I was giving this talk, let's say perhaps a thousand years ago, I would say that another way of storing power, aside from going to places that are very powerful for you and feeling heightened emotions there and being there with good friends and just feeling eternity there and knowing that you can you're creating a bond with that place so that at the moment of your death when you try and move into another vortex or during any time of great transit you can do so you can draw power from that place at that moment because you have created an affinity with it but if this was another time I would also suggest that building things is a way when you build something with your body, you store power in it. When you create something, when you, when you build a house or a musical instrument or a floor, you can store power in it. Now, not everybody who builds things does this. Remember, what I'm suggesting is that there is another side to life than that which most people are conscious or aware of, and that you can become conscious and aware of that side And that side will bring you freedom and perfection. Whereas the side or the description of life that most people have only causes them eventually to die. Whereas you can go beyond life and death in this world now. You can go beyond being a shadow and become free and luminous and no longer of this world, although you will be in it for a time. But today I would not recommend that you build things because we live in an age in which the body is being replaced by the intellect and all of you are intellectuals. You use the mind more than the body. You relate to it more. It's a societal condition. In your description of the world the mind predominates. The body is secondary. In other times the body has been the central focus. One is not better than another. There are different ways of looking at existence. So to store power in this age, the mind is the best vehicle. Now, one of the most effective ways to store power is writing. Because you're engaging your intellect in going over moments of power. And as you write them down, On a secondary level, you're fixing that power in a specific place. For example, in other lifetimes, I have gone to places of power. And I have left power there. And in this lifetime, when I've returned to those places, I've been able to pick up what I left there. Uh, Recently, I went to the Grand Canyon, for example, a place I've been to a long, long time ago. And I had left certain things there which I was able to reintegrate with upon a return there. Again, when I saw the Grand Canyon, I didn't see the Grand Canyon as the average tourist might. What I saw was not the physical, but the inner structure, uh, the beings, the vortexes of energy, uh, the doorways into other worlds, and so on. These things that all exist, but that most people are totally unconscious of. So I was able to go there and go through those doorways and see what I left there. And bring it back again. This is a way of course of trying to describe something that's quite beyond words. Whenever you write something, meaning write about a moment of power, if you write about a desert trip that we go on or a meditation that you have or whatever it might be, when you write it down you are pressurizing it, you're compacting it, you're taking all the force and energy of that experience and you're squeezing it into a few words. By doing that, forget about the the paper for a moment and the words, but the moments that you were sitting there struggling to do that, you were compressing power, you're storing it. You're taking something that's very large and making it very small, and later you will be able to come back to it when you need it and make it very large again. This is an occult practice, a mystical practice. At the same time, you are creating an identification with something specific. When you go to the bank, you give them money. Now, if you just give them money, when you go to take it out, they won't give you anything. So what you have is a passbook with an account number or a checking account number. When you give them that number, you have some piece of identification or something, then they'll give you money. But it's gone once you hand it to them. You see. So you have to have a medium of exchange The medium of exchange can be a physical location. It can be something that you make, or it can be words. In our world, words are power. Our world is run by words. When you write something, or when you say something, but let's deal with writing at the moment, you compress a level of attention. The reference point are the words. For example, we recently wrote a book together, The Last Incarnation, and what we did was we all wrote stories about our most powerful experiences, spiritual experiences, and we put them into words and we put them into a book. We collected them. The book is the collection of over 100 peak moments of experience when a doorway opened and someone walked through. If you wrote one of those stories, you stored power. And if you read that story at another time, maybe a year from now or six months from now, a day when you're just not in a good level of attention, or a day when you're in a very high level of attention, at that time, it will bring that power back to you. You will re-enter that moment. Because when you wrote it, you compressed power. You're not just going back to the moment. What I'm suggesting is that there was that moment, which will always exist, which you can return to. But also in the action of writing, as opposed to just thinking about what had happened and not writing it down. In the action of writing, you were compressing that moment and actually storing power. And when you read that, you will let it open again. Or if someone else reads it, of course, to a certain extent, they will draw the power from that. Recently, there were two uh, women in who, or students of mine, who were in a very bad automobile accident. They didn't listen to anything I've said about driving. They didn't wear seat belts, and they fell asleep. The passenger fell asleep, and the driver fell asleep. And they were in a terrible car accident, and they are both very severely injured. Now, while one of them was in critical condition in the intensive care I, of course, went down there and uh, did what I could. But I asked one of my students, who was uh, a nurse who was also present there, to read stories from the last incarnation uh, to the woman who was in the accident who was lying, at that time, uh, reasonably close to death. And in doing so, as she listened to these stories, the reason I was doing this was there was such a volume of compressed power in that book that as she listened to these stories, it changed her power level. In other words, as she was injured, having, having even broken a steering wheel in half with her chest when she hit it, she had lost all her energy and she wasn't obviously in such a hot state to begin with, otherwise that whole thing wouldn't have happened. This caused her to access a tremendous amount of energy and get her life force moving again so that she was able to keep going. This is why the Tibetan Book of the Dead was read aloud, not so much to the dead as to the dying, was because there was such power in it that it could cause a tremendous transit, even at the moment of death, when a person heard the words, the power of the words, even if the person didn't exactly understand them, would be unlocked and a person could draw upon that power and at the time of death they could gain power and move into a higher sphere after death to a higher world than they would have been able to. It's a very powerful book. You don't have to understand it but just to have it the words in it are extremely compressed. The I Ching is the same way. I was recently looking at some books uh, occultly that I have, which are my favorite books, which I find are the most powerful books that I've encountered in this life. And as I was looking at all of them, it was interesting. I was looking at the Tibetan Book of the Dead and the I Ching as the two most powerful of these 12 books, just in terms of power. There are many other books, the Yoga Sutras of Pantanjali and the Way of Life and the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads and all extremely powerful books. Not in terms of what they say, but the energy. And I happen to have a copy of The Last Incarnation there, which contains stories that you have written. And what I observed was that that book was as powerful as the Tibetan Book of the Dead uh, or the I Ching, much more powerful than the others, in terms of compressed power. As far as I know, another book like it has never been done. It's unique in in the history of spiritual writing in this cycle. So I had her read the stories because she related more to them, of course, than to the uh, I Ching or to the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Plus, if we read her the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it would probably scare the life out of her. (laughs) And it caused her to access the tremendous volume of energy and power. She was able to draw on the power that others have stored. So I recommend writing as the primary vehicle for storing power. I suggest that you keep a journal and in that journal you write down your most powerful experiences. When you write them I suggest that you do them in story form. Uh, as the stories in the last incarnation are written. If you don't have time, just make notes. But it's very important to do it as close to the experience as possible because the further away you get from the experience, the more of the power you'll lose. So if you can write it down that night or the next day, that's the best because you'll compress more power. Then it's very important to refine it The rewriting is very important. In other words, you sort of write the story down or the experience down. That will compress a certain amount of power. But as you go back over it and rewrite it, when you rewrite it, you're seeing. You're looking beyond the words to the actual experience. You're going over it again and again and trying to make it tighter and tighter. And as you do, the closer to the experience it gets, the more power it will have. That's why rewriting is so important because you compress more and more power. Then, of course, what I suggest that you do is uh, set aside a copy for yourself and send me a copy. Uh, You know, always bring one. You can always drop one off with someone who takes attendance. Here. And if it's a particularly powerful story, if I feel that you've really hit something, then I might even ask you to rewrite it, because I see that you can do more with it. And then there's the possibility that we'll use it in a book or in our newspaper, which will be starting next February, which will consist of these stories, or in a self discovery, which means then that you will then share power with others. But writing is very, very important. I recently gave an assignment to people who have studied with me for over two years to write a paper on tantric mysticism. The reason I did this was so that they could compress power. I asked them to survey everything that we've ever done together and in five to fifteen or so pages to write it down. I didn't do this to give them a hard time or to give them a meaningless assignment. If they did it properly they will change completely because I have asked them to compress all the power of everything we've had together all the moments, the desert trips, the meditations, the dialogues, the inner experiences when we weren't physically together, the dreaming when I've spoken to them or been with them in dreams, to compress all of it the tapes, the books. And if they've done a good job, then they will have compressed so much power that whenever they read that or just think of it, it will cause them to go through a major transit. So I recommend as the primary form, writing. And I think that all of you should do that if you're really serious about changing levels of attention, you'll find that it's very easy. The moments while you're writing, once you get the hang of it, you will find you'll shift into a tremendously high state of consciousness. Just while you're sitting there at the typewriter, you'll see that you go through a tremendous transit. So you have to avoid losing power Most people lose power in relationships. About 75 to 95% of all attention in this world, so says Don Juan, and I think he's right, is devoted to romance. And it's such a waste. It's incredible. Because you get almost no return on your investment. It's power lost. So I think you need to look at yourself a little bit and assess how much of your energy you're putting in that direction. I have no argument with romance or with love, but if you're fixating on it too much, you'll find that you're losing a tremendous amount of energy. If that's the way you look at life, then you're an amateur from a spiritual point of view. At the same time, you have to think of ways to increase power. I suggest writing them down. Do you see why I ask you to write them down? When you write down the things that cause you to lose power, when you make a list, if you go home tonight and do that, then you just sit down and just take two pieces of paper. on one Don't use the same piece. Use two different pieces. Very important. On one piece, put down all of the things during your life yoga exercises, eating a yogurt, whatever it is. Sometimes there's silly things that cause you to move into a higher state of consciousness. Okay? Write those down. And as you write them, you're obviously going to be compressing power, compressing some of your strongest moments, you see? Then, write down those items which cause you to lose power. And when you write those down, what are you doing then? You're negating them. Because what you're doing is making a list and putting a list of all the people who've hurt you, of all the ways you've hurt yourself, okay? Of all the experiences that have been negative. Just list them real simply. You don't have to list them individually, you can list types. But as you do that, you are going to retrace them in your mind. You're recircuiting yourself and you are compressing them into a plane of consciousness where they cannot hurt you. Now these are mystical practices. They work. They're very effective. So if you make a list of all the people in your life who have ever hurt you, you they were vicious and hostile, let's say. You know, unfortunately sometimes we run into people like that. When you make that list you are disconnecting yourself from them. The luminosity within yourself Those strands are being separated from them. If you don't do that, you can have an experience with someone 20 years ago and still be connected with them today. And they can be drawing energy from you the whole time or putting a negative energy into you because you were too nice and you didn't accept that that's what really happened and that is continuing to happen. You can be drained by people thousands of miles away. And because you're a nice person, you're not going to think that someone will do that. Believe me, the world is filled with people who do that all the time. Most people do. They affix themselves to someone and they drain their power. And just because you're not conscious of it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It has a lot to do with illness of both physical and psychological types and generally keeping you into a very lowered state of awareness. But if you list them and you actually admit it, and you brand them with no hate, with no bad feelings, only with pure awareness, and you write them down, you will consciously accept that, and then you will kind of cast them into another reality. You'll separate yourself from them. On the other hand, when you make a list of all those persons who have helped you in life, I've had uh, myself, I've been lucky, I've had wonderful teachers all my life. I've had professors at the universities and spiritual teachers when I was a student and so on, Uh, all the way through. Just I've met remarkable people all my life. I've been helped that way. So when I write them down I compress that, even if it's not in story form, just to note that. You see, you compress power. Again, I bring your attention to the last story, the epilogue story in the last incarnation, where Ganesha does exactly that. In writing that story, he is compressed all of the moments in his life in a particular way he used gratitude and he compressed them before he made a major transit and moved to Malibu and so it it was very nicely done Carlos does that and Don Juan and Don Hainero have Carlos do that at the end of Tales of Power they have him stand there and compress power you can compress power with words too when you go to a power place if you speak very powerful words it does the same thing When I bring you to power places, you'll notice that very often I give you a very hard time if you say things that don't mean anything, that don't have heart and feeling, because you're doing the opposite. You're losing power because you're in a power place. But when I get someone who can see and actually says something with feeling, even if it's very simple, they're compressing power in that moment. And that power will always be there if they think about that place. You can always go back to those moments that we've had together, whether they were ten years ago or ten lifetimes ago, if you can remember them. And the way we, we remember them is we think of the physical location, if it was a vortex of power, and you remember that. you see. So when you go to a power place, you say powerful words, or you have powerful experiences, you, you compress power there. Then if you write it down afterwards, you compress it again. This is how you store power. You also store power through love. Whenever you love, you compress time. Time stops. The world stops, and you step outside of it. Moments of self-giving compress power. Now, some people give, but they don't pick the right moment, or they don't pick the right way, so there's very little power in it. But you compress power. What I'm suggesting is that as you compress power, as you store it, you go to higher and higher levels of attention. Why is one person enlightened and another not? Why is one person able to see the lines of the world or see the different vortexes? Why does one person go into samadhi and another not? Because they have learned to stop losing power, to to maximize and gain power, and to increase the power they have by storing it and compressing it. Sometimes sharing power with others increases power and compresses it. That's what I do constantly. At the same time, you need to be aware Of people who drain your power and they can they can be in your past years and years ago all you have to do though is list them and recognize them as they say in the Tibetan Book of the Dead recognition is liberation when you recognize something it's not simply a mental awareness your occult body is doing something at an entirely different level it's causing a transition So try writing all of your experiences down. Initially, it'll take a while. And if the stories don't come out clearly, it tells you that you're not clear yet. And as you write, and as you take the time to do this over a period of time, six months, a year, two years, as you keep doing this, you'll find as your writing gets clearer, it's because your power is getting stronger. If you find your writing is real sloppy and all over the place and the stories aren't good, that's your consciousness. Don't be embarrassed. Improve it. Meditate more deeply and write more. It doesn't have to be a grandiose prose style. That's not the point. The point is to be accurate and to have power in your words. That's how you should live, with power in your words, in your life, in your gestures. When you move into a higher level of attention, you will understand you need to learn how to see. To see means to look beyond what most people call the visible. There's dreaming and seeing. Seeing, of course, means perceiving what things actually are, not what they appear to be. Dreaming is not what you do at night when you fall asleep. That's having dreams. Dreaming is either perceiving a dream directly a moment of reality and entering into it with your other body with a double, the etheric double, or it's what I call the caretaker personality, uh, moving into different descriptions. So in dreaming, what you would do is while awake or asleep you can travel to another place. And of course the time will be always be the same. That's one of the ways you know you're dreaming. If in dreaming, if it's daytime when you're dreaming, uh, and you go to some place 20 miles away, it'll have to be daytime there. In other words, you're using the etheric double to travel to another locale. Then there's the very sophisticated dreaming, which is the Tibetan rebirth process, which I've talked about. That's a very advanced form of dreaming. But in order to see, you have to have more power. The thing all of you lack is power. Before I can teach you the arts of seeing and dreaming and all these different things, you have to assess more power. And you have to stop losing power, and you have to store it. And then you'll be in a position to give it. So if you would do these very simple things make a list of those ways you gain and lose power and then start to write and also when you go to powerful places to be in a higher state of attention and then write these things down and then of course give them to me so I can see how you did. And if you don't get them back or you don't see them in some form of writing, it means that they weren't quite there. They were good attempts, and you did store some power. But when I feel that you've done it properly, I'll let you know. You'll get some positive feedback. If you do these things, you'll find that your consciousness will change more radically than you can imagine. And then we can move on to the more advanced arts.